In the United States, the murder clearance rate is at a 50-year low. In a time when technology and forensics should make solving murder easier, community distrust, racism, and understaffed departments are all contributing to an abysmal clearance rate across the country. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome to the True Crime Squad. (laughs) I'm Christy Brower, here with my sister, co-host, and partner in crime, Katie Weaver. Hey, Katie. Hello. How's it going? I I mean, it's good. I have my cauldron of coffee, so Uh I got a new mug last week uh, because I drink a ton of coffee in the morning, and this holds a whole pot of coffee. (laughs) Holy... what (laughs) not a giant pot it's a it's my french press but i mean it it, it's a lot yeah it 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 appears to be but i guess if that's what you need that's what you need i this is my morning routine to recover from sleeping That's pretty hilarious. Well, this is our Tuesday episode, and we do have lots of interesting stuff to share with you today. So we're going to start. Katie's got an MMIW for us. And I actually have two. Uh, MMIW cases are so hard because we want to bring more of them to you. Frequently, there's just not very much information. It doesn't make for a very uh, long segment, but these stories deserve to be told and these faces deserve to be seen. So I'm actually going to bring you two today so I can uh, hopefully do both of them a little justice here. Uh, First of all, oh gosh, this one, this is such a hard case. So this is Arnoldine Simone Hill. And when Arnoldine was four years old, her mother was murdered. Mm. Her mother, (coughs) pardon me, Nancy Ann Hill, was murdered in 1999. And that uh, obviously exposed Arnoldine to a horrible crime as well as, I think, a pretty challenging life. And she's, uh, she was from Anchorage. And yeah, that's a rough way to start. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. So she was found murdered on January 9th, 2021 in Hooper Bay, Alaska. The last time they know for sure she was seen alive was December 10th, 2020. Mm -hmm. She was uh, a known wanderer and was homeless by choice. At least that's what people who know her say. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, very hard life. Yeah. And her body was found in a pullout near milepost 81 on the parks highway north of willow she had been deceased for a few days by the time she was found now remember this is alaska in the winter you know so it's i can't even imagine how cold it was but uh they did do an autopsy and ruled her death a homicide they have nothing nothing there are no leads. There are no persons of interest. They don't have a clue what happened to Arnoldine. Wow. So obviously, if you were to know something, contact the Alaska State Troopers. They are the ones that are in charge of this case. Uh, people who knew her said she was absolutely hilarious. She loved baking. She was a lot of fun to be around and was a really free spirit. And she's gone. And we don't know why. So I just want to show you her face one more time. She was 26 when she was murdered. And just keep her uh, memory alive and her murder fresh in people's minds because this needs to be solved. Yeah, it surely does. Yeah. Speaking of murders that need to be solved, I want to tell you about Polly Sullivan. This is Polly. Polly's mother was Irish, her dad was Creek. And Polly was an amazing person. She was murdered when she was 44. And this has been this has been quite a few years ago. Let's see. Let's see if I have a date on her death. I believe it was 1999. Okay. So it, it has been some time. But uh, Polly was a humanitarian. She was the manager of a transitional housing unit for homeless people called Crooked Tree. Hmm. And it was located on the former Lowry Air Force Base in Colorado, in Denver. But she's from Oklahoma. Again, her father was Creek, mama was Irish, but they moved to Denver uh, through the Bureau, Bureau of Indian Affairs Relocation Program when she was little. Hmm. And she was quite the person. She had a law degree from Arizona State and several other degrees. And was a reporter and a writer and just did a lot of amazing things. Yeah, she was amazing. But she was really, really big in uh, humanitarian work and in helping homeless people. Mm-hmm. So the Christmas of, oh, 1998, sorry. The Christmas of 1998, she had been home with her family for Christmas and then went back to Crooked Tree so that she could cook Christmas dinner for the residents there. Oh, wow. And on December 26th, her family couldn't get her by phone. So they thought maybe she was just out shopping. But later on, they got a call telling them that she had been found murdered. Mm-hmm. So she was found in her apartment and her apartment was at the Transitional Housing Center. Uh, She'd been stabbed 14 times. And 
there were some residents there with issues. There was a man named Willie Safford. He was an ex-con who was getting evicted because he was late on rent and had been getting in fights and just, you know, wasn't following the rules and was getting sent out of there. Mm-hmm. And they invest they arrested him, they investigated him. They never had enough to charge him and he was eventually let go. Oh. And that's where it ends. Her case has gone completely uh, unsolved. It is one that's had a little bit more attention. This uh, case was picked up by the the Vidoc Society. And that's a group of criminologists who will pick up cold cases and work on them. Mm -hmm. But that was in 2012 that they announced that they were picking up Polly's case and there has been no resolution. So they didn't really get anywhere. Dang. Mm -mm. Nope. So her family has gone all of this time not knowing who killed Polly and what a terrible loss to their community. Right. Right. She did so much for other people. Yeah. That's, that's very discouraging. Yeah. So of course, if you were to have any information on Polly's murder, you would contact the Denver police. And if you were to have any information on Arnold Dean's murder, you would contact the Alaska state patrol, but wanted to just and make even- sure contact your local police and they right. will help you like absolutely anybody anybody yeah. but i just wanted to say their names and show their faces these women mattered certainly did still do yeah well christy i'm going to kick the mic back over to you for our main case yes so my story today is not actually about an individual case but about a very alarming trend that is happening um, in homicide clearances. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about the murder clearance rate. So CBS News just released uh, two days ago this big analysis that they've done of the homicide rate in this country and, and the closure rate, the clearance rate, and what's happening and why it's happening. Because what's happening is our homicide rate is at an all-time low. 50 years is as far back as we really track these things. Yeah. This is the lowest clearance rate in the U.S. right now. And this is from 2020 because... So not homicides happening is at all time. No, but but being solved is at an all time. Solving, yes. So um, these are, this is from the 2020 statistics uh, because that's the most recent ones out. These are released by the FBI. They are released in an incredibly archaic way that unless you have serious skill in this area, you wouldn't even ever even know what any of it means. They are still using a process of tracking these kinds of things like murder uh, solves in in the way that they started doing it in 1960, Mm -hmm. which is ridiculous. Yeah. So this team of investigative reporters worked on it as well as, and I, this organization is really interesting. And so I wanted to share with you about them, the murder accountability project. They're tracking America's unsolved homicides. Mm-hmm. So they are a nonprofit of investigative journalists, FBI, um, people from, you know, like retired police officers mm-hmm. 
who are tracking um, unsolved murders in the United States to gather some better statistics. Because you know what? The ones we have suck. Mm -hmm. They suck. The way that things are tracked, we don't know very much. Mm -hmm. And they they are doing some things like they're looking at murder clusters. Where are things the very worst and why? Yeah. And, you know, really helping us to figure out what the hell is going on in this country? Yeah. You know, I think we have some pretty good ideas, but let me tell you some of the things that they have found. One problem is that the homicide rate in the U.S. jumped in some large cities by 30% in 2020. Wow. Now, that was also the first year of COVID lockdown. Mm. So it's probably got something to do with that. Yeah. Um, one thing, that's one reason that um, police are giving for mm-hmm. their solve rates being so low is that they have had this giant increase in murders, but they have not had an increase in staff. Right. To handle it. So a clearance rate is a tool that the police use to measure yeah. how well are they doing in these sure. things. So the problem is that the definition of a cleared case is not always the same everywhere. That can mean solved, like we know who did it. They went, to, you know, they were yeah. went went to court and were convicted, right? Yeah. But that is not the only way. And I find this, this is a little sketchy. So there are exceptional circumstances where they also consider them to be closed. That includes offender is dead. We've seen a lot of those. Yes. The offender is serving a sentence on another case. Uh, The victim refuses to cooperate. Mm. Shouldn't matter ever. Yeah. Um, And then a few other things like extradition could be a problem or the police know who did it, but they can't prove it. So they close the case with an exceptional solve Mm -hmm. and no one is convicted. Mm. So the numbers that we're getting Mm -hmm. are terrible and they're actually even worse because of these exceptional uh, solves that are, and they're uh-huh. just mixed in. There's no way to differentiate in the way that crime is tracked now. Yeah. So we don't know for sure right. how many of those were exceptional clearances that weren't actually clearances. Wow. So I'm going to show you a an image here. So this comes from the CBS um, article. These are. Um, state solve rates based on the information that they have from the FBI for 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, Please note the states in gray, including ours, who refuse to report their crime statistics to the FBI. Wow. So we don't know what Idaho's solve rate is at all. Because they're not talking. Boy, that doesn't sound like Idaho, does it? And yet it certainly does. Mm -hmm. So... This is sort of a slide from red is very low mm-hmm. to high to um, blue is high. Okay. And wow. so, you know. There's two blue. Yeah. Oh, boy. Three, three blue. But yeah, there's hardly, you know, we're, we're in a real bad place. 
yeah. with murders being solved right now. So mm-hmm. let me tell you a little bit more about what CBS found. Mm-hmm. Because this is important stuff. We need to know these things. This mm-hmm. stuff is important for us as voters. Yeah. As squad goals mm-hmm. that we start taking a look at what are our local solve rates? Yeah. What are they? And what is being done to improve them? Because nobody's got a good one. Yeah. I think mm. this matters a lot. This is one of the reasons why local elections are so very important because yeah. judges, prosecutors, sheriffs mm-hmm. are all elected. elected. Yep. And that is who's got the power to make these things happen. Mm-hmm. We also have to look at what's happening in our state budgets. And we, you know, there's been a lot of talk about like defund the police. And what that really means is take things that are not actually the police's job and use the money for those things to put money into other organizations who can then provide those services. For example, right. like having, we have our new, it's going live on, on July 15th, 988 is going live. And 988 is a mental health crisis hotline like 911. Yeah. But you're calling 988. And when you call mm-hmm. 988, you don't need the police. You're having a mental health emergency or mm-hmm. someone in your family or household is having a mental health emergency. Right. We need mental health professionals, not police. And right, right now, what happens is we call police. Mm-hmm. So their time and their resources are being taken up by things that really aren't their job. Right. And those cases aren't being handled necessarily appropriately either no. because the police aren't trained to, right. at least not enough, you know. They, they're they they're trained to do what police are supposed to do, not have to deal with these things. So right. other police professionals there. can step in, provide the correct resources, yeah. then choose to involve police if that needs to happen. Exactly. But it frees the police up to be able to work on other things, on, on crime. It does, which is really important. And we are mm-hmm. seeing some trends toward it. You know, some police mm-hmm. departments actually now employ social workers mm-hmm. that will go with them on certain calls. Yeah. You know, and I've talked about this on here before, but I worked mm-hmm. for a domestic violence program that covered five counties, which was a huge amount of square miles in Idaho. Huge, yeah. And we would respond on scene with the police and be the victim advocate, be the crisis uh, worker, the trauma worker, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Very rare to see that happen. It was 100% out of necessity because the police were called out on everything you can think of and they didn't know what to do in those cases. So we went out on murders and on Mm -hmm. suicides and domestic violence incidents and sexual assaults and and other victims of crime. And other things, yeah. Yeah, because the police desperately needed Mm -hmm. help. The other problem, of course, as we know, is that police have created a real problem for themselves in um, they are not trustworthy, and we know they're not. Mm-hmm. You know, too yeah. way too many black people. Any is too many mm-hmm. getting murdered by the police. Yeah, people of color getting murdered by the police. You know, mm-hmm. black men particularly getting murdered yeah. by the police. Mm-hmm. People have stopped cooperating. This is yeah. one of the things that this is a side effect. Mm-hmm. People have stopped cooperating with the police, and the police need the community. 
mm-hmm. in order to solve crime. Right. They need us. And yet they have treated us like crap mm-hmm. and, you know, are, are well known to harm and murder citizens. Mm-hmm. Therefore, citizens are like, yeah, I'm not going to tell you anything. I don't mm-hmm. want to be involved in this at all. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge problem. It is. We all know it's a huge problem. But it the is. funding There's problems. Huge rifts here that need yes. to be solved and healed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and the funding problems also, because a lot of the funding that goes to police goes to their fancy tank things they drive and their fancy uniforms and weapons. It's not going to training. Mm-hmm. It's not going to increasing the number of officers when the murder rate is going up by 30%. Yeah. That's not where the money goes. The money mm-hmm. doesn't go to Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Give us better policing. We're getting mm-hmm. fancy military style gear. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not giving us what we need as, a, mm-hmm. you know, as citizens. Yeah. So are there are some really big problems here because you would think in the age of DNA, Mm-hmm. In the age of the um, uh, technology that cell phones, you know, they can pinpoint where people were exactly at any time. Um, and all of the other technology and forensics that are out there, mm-hmm. you'd think that murder rates, murder solve rates would be going up, yeah. not down. You would. You would. You certainly would. But that is not at all what is happening. Yeah. Now. 2020 was particularly terrible. Like when the lockdowns happened, mm-hmm. a ton of murders happened that have that have not been solved. Yeah. And and you know, I mean, we have to look at that too and recognize a global pandemic, then you're in a position of risking the safety of the police. Yeah. In another way than mm-hmm. they're already risking. It's just a big mess. It's a big it, mess. It's a huge mess. Yeah. But it's also a great opportunity for us to become more aware of what's happening in our own communities. Like, Mm -hmm. I was pretty dumbfounded to see that Idaho does not report their murder clearance rates to the FBI. Yeah. Do you want to bet that that's because they're terrible? Yeah. Numbers are not good. Mm Mm-hmm. And they'll say, oh, it's not the the government. The government has no right to that information, blah, 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 because that's the kind of... That's the kind of stuff Idaho would pull. Yeah, for sure. But here's the reality. Um, Police are way underfunded in Idaho. Yeah. When it comes to... We used to work in domestic violence in a county that was this huge, you know, hundreds of square miles. And there's one officer on all night. All night. And if that officer responded with you to a domestic Mm -hmm. and then got a car wreck... Mm-hmm. You couldn't stay with the victim because we couldn't stay if, if the offender wasn't yeah. incarcerated. We couldn't stay for our own safety. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm that happened many times where the officer's mm-hmm. like, I'm really sorry, but I have to leave. There's been a car wreck, mm-hmm. you know, 10 miles away from here and I got to go mm-hmm. deal with it. Yeah. Um, 
that's the kind of stuff that we deal with here in Idaho. And so mm -hmm. I would bet that our solve rate is terrible, mm -hmm. frankly. Well, and that we're not alone in that. A lot no. of counties, especially rural counties, are doing the same thing. Yeah. This really makes me think about the Lyon County Sheriff in uh, Missouri. So mm -hmm. this is the county where Jessica Mast was murdered. Right. And so I'd followed their Facebook page for updates, you know, around Jessica's murder way back a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. But I have been blown away by their sheriff. He is just pretty fearless. They were extremely understaffed through COVID. They pay their officers such shit wages that they were losing officers to go work at factories and stuff like that. Sure because they couldn't afford to continue to be a police officer any longer. And yeah. so he did not have nearly enough deputies. And what did he do? He went public. He went public on their Facebook page with numbers, facts, figures, complete transparency, which is how it should be, but it just usually isn't. Right. Uh, and basically told the county, hey, if we're not responding to your call, this is why. He at the time he was down to like three officers, like it was really bad. It's oh like God. by the time you know one of us at least is manning the jail and other people are going out on calls, he's like, and me trying to balance this so that I don't overwork the officers I have left to the point that they quit too. He's like, first of all, we have to start paying these people more money immediately or they're leaving, yeah. and second of all. I need more money to be able to hire more people. We cannot adequately keep this county safe. He was super clear about it. And people were like, well, you shouldn't say that. That's just going to invite people to commit more crime. And he was like, if you think the criminals don't already know this, you're crazy. But it kind of caused a, I don't want to say scandal, but kind of a scandal in their county that he was being so transparent with their all of their numbers, mm -hmm. all of the financials, and absolutely begging people to contact their county commissioners and demand more money for the sheriff's office. And they got it. Wow. People did do that. And the county commissioners were shamed or scared or whatever into providing him quite a lot more money. And he was able to provide like a 20% or 30% raise to the officers on staff, as well as sign on bonuses to get more people to come on. And eventually kind of ironed out their issues. But he did it by getting really loud and really public to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Really put his own job at risk. But I, at that point, I just don't think he cared. He knew no. he would not do a good job at this point with right. what they were operating on. But he's not alone. This is just, it, no. this is an epidemic everywhere. It is. It is. And, you know, we do talk a lot about how much money is spent on police. But that's only in, in big metropolitan areas. Mm -hmm. In small counties, in small places like where we live, mm -hmm. their budgets are tiny. Yeah. And, and, and they, they struggle. Crap. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we talk, we always talk about how teachers don't make, you know, enough money for what they do. Neither do police officers, not even no. close. Well, and we'll throw a couple of other things in there because we've kind of talked about what CBS had to say. Here are a couple of other things, I think. One is that we do not have clear educational requirements for police officers. And I absolutely yes. believe that police officers should be required to have a bachelor's degree mm -hmm. in criminal justice or in social work, mm -hmm. something that is in relation, more education and training is a better understanding of humanity as a whole. Mm -hmm. And that's really 
police need good people skills and good understanding of humanity. Mm-hmm. And they don't get it in the training that they're getting. No, then but again, also, that would require paying them a lot more. Paying right, them for it the would. I mean, if you're going to go to school, they would deserve. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, you, they would have to become competitive in their communities to mm-hmm. attract people into police work with a degree. Certainly. Yeah. Um, if nothing else, detectives, you shouldn't be able to make detective unless you have a degree. Like, you just Absolutely. shouldn't. No. Um, at all. But I think even patrol officers should have a, should have a minimum bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. Because so often they have no training at all about just how to manage human beings. Mm-hmm. And how to understand, because the real problem here is our social problems, racism, poverty, <laughs> violent, you know, fi- war against women, uh, you know, war against the BIPOC community. Like, those are the actual issues that need solving in order wow. to bring these murder rates down in the first mm-hmm. place before we can even get to improving the solve rate. Mm-hmm. This is a huge social issue for this entire country. And we as individuals really have a lot more power in it than we realize if we mm-hmm. get involved in our communities and start mm-hmm. finding out what's being done for crime prevention. Anybody ever even hear that term? Not very often. You know what crime prevention is? It's eradicating homelessness. It's eradicating poverty. Mm-hmm. It's eradicating racism that's uh ableism is another Mm -hmm. that's crime prevention and we don't do it Mm -hmm. like we are shit at crime prevention in the u.s Mm -hmm. well and as always and forever increased funding for mental health care always always yeah definitely Mm -hmm. But that's, you know, those are some of the things that we can do. Be aware. What's happening to help vulnerable people in your community? Where are they going? How are they getting help? What Mm -hmm. can improve there? What can you get involved with? Yeah. And then looking at what what are the requirements for police officers in your community? And how does that information, how does that get changed? Is that Mm -hmm. something that changes at the state level? Does it stay change at the city level? It's going to be all of them. Mm -hmm. And then also looking at who is running. And, you know, I always think like for a sheriff or a chief of police, they should be kind of like a basketball coach mm-hmm. that if their uh, win rate sucks, they get fired. You know, like if a bas- if a, if a pro basketball team has a shit year, guess who gets fired? The coach. Yeah. That's the sheriff or the chief of police guys. Why do we keep, Because, you know, here it's very common for people to, you know, stay in the same position for 10, 20 years. Yeah. Well, if their murder clearance rate is terrible, they need to go. Yeah. You know, but we don't necessarily. Maybe they're not good at their job or maybe they just don't care. Maybe they're too burned out. They're too over it. Yeah. Maybe they honestly just aren't good at this. Right. Or maybe they're corrupt. they're fighting, that happens they're, too. They're corrupt, yeah. Well, we know there's corruption. We know there's tons of corruption in law enforcement. Oh, yeah. And a huge issue in the in this murder solve rate is that um, the the difference in murder solve rates between white people and the BIPOC community mm-hmm. horrendous. Yeah. Like about half as many murders get solved in the BIPOC community yeah. as get solved in the white community. And if you split it out even further, Hispanics get more. Um, solves than blacks. 
So our black community gets very few. Sometimes in some places it's 24% of the black community murders in the black community are getting solved. 24% you guys. Oh my God. And then you'll see. This isn't even hitting on the murder solve rate in in MMIW communities. No, I mean, that's a whole completely different conversation, which is also abysmal. Yeah. It's it's horrendous. It's horrendous. We could break it down that far too. But mm-hmm. I mean, the bottom line is, it's not good anywhere. No, it's not good anywhere in the U.S. No, and there are Baltimore has got a big task force they're working on, and you know there are some big mm-hmm. cities that have that are that are facing this. Yeah, but small communities are not facing this, mm-hmm. and it's horrifying. And I just felt like for us as a true crime squad, it is mm-hmm. our job if we are interested in what's happening in crime. Mm-hmm. then we need to get involved in our communities and make sure mm-hmm. that we've got the best people on the job, that we've got mm-hmm. the best policies and the best budgets and mm-hmm. all of those things to better protect our communities. And dude, mm-hmm. we don't, we don't no. have the best of anything like that. No. We might have the best military equipment in our police. Mm-hmm. And let but, me tell you something, it's not doing us any good. No, no. It needs to get better for all involved. Yeah. And also so that police forces and sheriff's offices can attract candidates for jobs that have really great training, that are the best people. Right. Because right now that's not necessarily what's happening. You know, and if you're unsure about that, just look at Uvalde. Yeah. Because that is the most catastrophic case of untrained, unqualified, unable individuals. It is. And not that they all were. I'm not, you know, I I don't want to drag on every single person that was there. But the leadership. The the leadership. That was the most mishandled thing I can think of in, in recent history. Yeah. For a complete lack of leadership, lack of training, lack of knowing what the hell to do in this kind of an emergency. Exactly. And, you know, the results were catastrophic. There, it's a huge conversation and an ongoing one that will always be an ongoing one. But I'm glad mm-hmm. that you brought this uh, to the forefront. These are things that need to be thought about. They are. And so there will be links in the show description for the the CBS um, uh, evaluation and story. And then also for the um, Murder Accountability Project as well. Yes. Look into it. How do you get involved? Look at what your state solve rate is. And if your state yeah. solve rate isn't listed there, you can still get it because those records, those things, they still have to be public to some extent. Mm-hmm. Your state is required to allow you as a citizen to know. Mm-hmm. So then you go to your state website and you start looking, but mm-hmm. um, start figuring out how's it going in your area mm-hmm. and what, you know, it doesn't take very long when you start looking at the stats to see what the problem areas are mm-hmm. and it's going to start with race every damn time. Unfortunately. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, Katie, I think you have a little weird crime to wrap up the show. I do. So this genius right here. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. Uh, He really had some aspirations of pulling off quite the heist. Oh, boy. Robbing Disney. (laughs) Robbing Disney? Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Now, yeah, you might be wondering why, like, well, everyone, everyone. else is. Mm-hmm. But I want to tell you a little bit more about what went on here. This guy's name is David Proudfoot. David used to be a high school principal. And he was fired for what? Oh, gosh. Stealing money from the school. Oh, dear. And it now just seems to be kind of a free-falling, maybe. Mm-hmm. So here's what happened. He posed as a worker at a Disney World, or at Disney World. <laughs> and at a Disney resort, he was wearing a kind of official uniform. He had a name tag named David on it. And he had put a replica of R2-D2 on a moving cart and was moving it away from where it was which was <laughs> like in broad daylight yeah <laughs> which was weird so disney That's security officers see david pushing a cart around that has r2d2 on it and they're like what the hell his uh uniform and name tag didn't match their club or their resort and so they were really suspicious about who this guy is and what he's doing. So mm-hmm. he claimed that he was an employee at a different Disney hotel, the Yacht Club. So they were like, oh, well, okay. So this one of the officers said, okay, well, then let me, I'll help you. So he said they were moving this to a different location, right? Mm-hmm. Then he suspiciously didn't have any idea where the loading docks were, where supposedly he was taking this. Ooh. So, oh. So... Yeah, they were like, this just doesn't seem to uh, to track. So they called the police. So the police come and, you know, want to know what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. And he's, he says, oh, I'm just, I'm supposed to be moving these pieces to a different Disney resort. And that's what I'm in the middle of doing. He tells him his name is David Rogers. Well, they asked to see his ID. And things get weird with him because he says that his belongings are in his employee locker at the yacht club. So they're like, that's cool. We'll just go over there. (laughs) So they Uh take him over there and he doesn't know where employee lockers are. And then when he showed the employee lockers, he doesn't seem to know how to open them. (laughs) Oh dude, it's probably time to fess up here. So then they, they, re- they realize that he actually does have his wallet with him, uh, with his ID. And mm. then they discover his real name. So they discover, so anyway, they figure out that he's, he's an imposter. He's not who he said he was. Mm-hmm. So then he tells them that he moved R2-D2 from this hotel to an unknown location, as well as a game machine. But... Don't worry, guys. He wasn't really going to take anything off of Disney property. He's applying for a job there in security, and he wanted to show them where some holes in their system are. <gasps> so he and commit some crimes to prove to them that it would be easy to do so. Uh, wow. Um, not the best um, on-the-job um, demonstration I've ever heard of. Wow. Yeah. The problem is the police went ahead and searched his house anyway, and they found thousands of dollars of Disney's belongings. (laughs) Oh, so this wasn't the first time? (laughs) 
including a $700 gold necklace and several bathroom light fixtures. What? Yeah. <laughs> Why would you steal bathroom light fixtures? Why would you do any of this? How would you steal bathroom light fixtures without, I, you know, electrocuting yourself during the day? Well, oh, my God. Wow. I mean, you know, apparently maybe he was posing as maintenance at that point. I don't know. I so, David, gone... you did do one thing right. You definitely proved to them that they have some holes in their system. Yeah. Because it took them a while to catch you. And uh, it was R2-D2 that, you know, eventually was his downfall. So, at any rate, <laughs> don't steal from Disney. Don't be weird. Definitely don't go commit crimes to prove how easy it is to try to get a job because, well, that's not going to get you a job. No. Don't be a David. Yes. There you go. Don't be a David. Boom. <laughs> well, thank you for that. We always like to bring a little levity because we talk a lot about heavy topics around here. And yeah. sometimes crime can be funny and we like that. Okay. It helps. Yep. Well, this is our Tuesday episode. We'll be back on Wednesday with another episode and on Wednesday night with Wednesday night case updates at 7 p.m. Mountain. Mm -hmm. So you're going to want to stay tuned for all of that. Please like, subscribe, share, comment. It helps us to grow. And definitely go check out our Patreon. We are the True Crime Squad. Well, just True Crime Squad over on Patreon.com. And we we do two extra episodes a month that are only for our patrons. It's a great way to help support us and help us keep doing what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of extra content over there, like more than two years worth of bonus content over there that you don't even know exists. It's like 200 episodes. So mm -hmm. go check that out. Yes. And you know it. We are True Crime Squad with Christine Katie. Thanks for being here, everybody. Take care. Thank you.